Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guessed it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are given away for, for absolutely free 99 do leave a five-star review on iTunes. I will read your comments on the air no matter the content. Mock my teams. Mock myself. Mock my voice. Call me Seth Rogen. Whatever it takes, give me those five stars. I'm kind of needy in that way. Now, I know what I promised. I had promised that the day that the Lakers won the title, I would get drunk on a podcast and come and spew all sorts of knowledge and facts and explain why LeBron James is not only the greatest player of all time, but had been so since he vanquished the Warriors in that finals. I said that thinking the Lakers were going to win on Friday night. I really, I didn't see the Jimmy Butler game coming. I just, I'm surprised it happened. I'm impressed it happened, but I was surprised. So when they won on Sunday, I had to do some math in my head in that I'm all of 35 years old and I have a job and me being drunk and celebrating wasn't going to happen on Sunday night because I was very tired. I'm an old washed person. These are my confessions. But I did want to make sure I came back and give you guys something. And tonight, honestly, we fired up the new grill for the first time. Uh, we had some great steaks. I've had a couple whiskeys. So we're going to see what happens tonight. Because you are here today not to listen to me pontificate about X, Y, and Z. You're here to talk about the Lakers. And you're here listening to this podcast because you listened to this podcast last year. And last year, when free agency occurred and the Clippers did their things and Kawhi held off on his signing to, you know, kind of stick it to the Lakers a little bit, keep them from getting some free agents. When the dust settled, I said the best team that came out of free agency was the Los Angeles A-team. There were a lot of voices touting the B-team. I don't mean that in a state of derision towards Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in particular when I called the Clippers the B-team. I say that only because this disappointing finish for the season for the Clippers ties their furthest they've ever gone in the playoffs as a franchise. They are who we thought they were. If you want to go ahead and flush them, go ahead and flush them. They are the Clippers. It's the same story, different verse. But I come not to bury the Clippers. I come to celebrate the Los Angeles Lakers. My God, what an unraveling. What a, 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 a demonstration of prowess. That's how an overdog approaches a series. Were the two losses spectacular games on Jimmy Butler? You're goddamn right they were. Jimmy Butler arrived on a national stage in a recruiting pitch to other free agents towards Miami that I think cannot be duplicated. We'll talk in a second about some of the capital implications of the upcoming year and what I think might happen in the NBA offseason. But in a vacuum, if I'm, let's just pick a name out of a Giannis, why wouldn't I be like, let me get myself to Miami? There's a reason why after seven years in Cleveland, LeBron looked around and said, this team is not only not building around me, there's no one here who can teach me how to win. And took his talent to South Beach. He learned their system. He molded it to what he needed it to be. And then he took it on the road with him. Literally, have system, will travel. You talk about the process. You talk about your systems. LeBron James remains the system. 4-2 is the final. The, the last game ended up numerically close, but people were going to bed at halftime, literally. I was 
maybe checking the Sunday night game a little bit more um, ardently than I thought I would be. But it's very cool and very impressive and very important that the Lakers are back on top in this league. And you can say what you want about the Lakers. I've seen the resurgence of Laker fans in a way that I wasn't mentally prepared for. I didn't foresee the fact that the fact that my LeBron fanhood would also bring these Laker fans out of the woodworks in a way that I haven't missed you people. Let's just say that much. And yeah, we're cheering for the same shit right now, but eventually we're going to part ways and I, for one, couldn't be happier. I was talking to my good friend today and uh, we were discussing, you'll, you'll hear later on the podcast, we were discussing kind of the criteria the Hall of Fame uses. And I told him that one of my biggest frustrations is the fact that Vlade Divac is in the Hall of Fame. And for those of you who are like, Vlade has got a lot of great memories. Zero times made All-NBA, one All-Star game, ridiculous that he's all in the Hall of Fame. Not a great international career either. And my friend's reply, Lakers fan, dying the wool, he says, he was integral in the Kobe trade. Of course he belongs in the Hall of Fame. So welcome back, Lakers fans. It's been a long decade. We have not missed you, but you have every right to crow. 17 rings tying the Celtics. And when it, and, and what's funny is like in the last 10 years, 15 years, we've watched the Celtics fan kind of take undue prominence in the sports landscape. And this is a reminder that in our lifetimes, I'm speaking to my junior, I'm 35. I've seen two Laker titles. One I remember. One was the year I was like, guys, like I'm <laughs> the zeitgeist does not believe in you. You need more people. And Brett and Brad Stevens, I don't think he's it, guys. I don't think he's it. I, I you know, it's one thing to say, oh, he's got great X's and O's plays, and people steal things from him on his inbound plays, but there's more to being a coach in this league than that. And Eric Spolstra and Frank Vogel demonstrated that down the stretch with their teams. Um, amazing final. I thought that having it in the bubble paradoxically had some of the best, highest quality basketball we've ever seen because these guys aren't tired from jet lag. They aren't tired from the travel. They're, they're not tired from press. They're not tired from having to deal with roving fans. They're in the bubble. They're locked in. It's just basketball. And you can say that, you know, you've seen kind of the goalpost shift for the last week of her. This is the hardest championship ever to LeBron's going to win. Well, then he coasted. It's a ridiculous thing, but it's what happens in uh, in this world today. But I, I do want to tip the cap to not just the Heat and the Lakers, but to everyone who participated in the bubble experiment. I use that term correctly. This was something that they did not know was going to work. Dr. Fauci said, you know what? The NBA is doing it the rightest way possible. We'll see how it turns out. I believe on this podcast, I was skeptical. I called it a naked money grab, which it working doesn't make it not a naked money grab. It just happened to have worked. Zero positive COVID tests inside the bubble. Shout out to the Wubble as well. Shout out to the Hubble, who were just, I think, as news is trickling out, Canada just lied to us a lot. But whatever. It is what it is. It looks good. And that's honestly the optic you need to win in this pandemic era. Um, we go into the offseason right now with the Lakers locked in as the number one, as the, the, the in-house favorite in Vegas to repeat. But my question is, we don't even know when the season's going to start. The rumor is MLK Day. Who knows? Maybe around the All-Star break. We don't know when it's actually going to start. And we don't know what it's going to look like. I know the owners want fans. The governors and people in charge are like, I don't know. The fans are a good idea. So we're going to have to see how that really unfolds here. But a real tip of the cap to everyone who participated in the bubble. It was an experiment that we did not know was going to work. And as you watch other sports leagues, 
try and fail to rec to reckon with the current reality, it is um, more and more commendable. Well, let's talk about some of the moves outside the NBA. I know what you're thinking. Hey, Deepalm, you promised me a LeBron thing. The LeBron thing's coming. It's called a rollout. I need you to get through the rest of the podcast because that part, it's near the end if you want to skip ahead. First of all, rude. Second of all, rude. Now, let's talk about some other moves and machinations in the, in the NBA. Ty Lue has emerged as the leading candidate in Houston. And I don't know if you guys were listening to Jeff Van Gundy during the finals, but he was saying a lot of shit like as a coach because he has not technically interviewed for the job, but we all kind of the open secret is Jeff wants this gig. Jeff lives in Houston, um, but apparently Ty Lue blew them away. When the Clippers fired Doc Rivers, Ty Lue was on that staff. They told him to not interview for the Philly job because they had something for him here. And now it looks like it's going to be a bidding race between Houston and the Clippers for the services of Ty Lue. And for me, if I'm Ty Lue and the money's the same, I'm going to the Clippers. Going to the Clippers. Because that's a relationship problem. What's wrong in LA, the Clippers right now, chiefly none of the motherfuckers like Paul George. But <laughs> there are other problems as well. And if some of the and now we've all heard the rumors, like the Paul George rumors, the Chris Paul rumors. If you haven't the rumors PG to the Nets and Chris Paul to the Knicks. We'll see if those things happen, but it's also early in what could be an extended free agency or trade period or whatever it's gonna be offseason. We don't know what the tomorrow brings there, so I'm going to deal with it as of the now. And if I'm Ty Lue, Houston has predicated how this team is going to work based on personnel moves, not just this at the All-Star break where they decide to go all in on the tiny ball, but also, like, we're all in on the James Harden thing. And your mileage may vary on the James Harden thing. But this postseason submitted for me, I don't want to hear his name until he's in an NBA final again. And I say again because you all forgot that he played on that Thunder team that got mile off by the Heat. But again, we'll talk about that later. I don't know if I'm Ty Lue what the appeal of the Houston gig is. And let Jeff take the Houston gig. Let Jeff get his – and it's an open secret. Jeff Van Gundy wants to get back in coaching. Let that be his foray back. Ty Lue, you've got to report with the team already. You were on staff. You saw what went wrong. You were boots on the ground for whatever happened in this bubble. I implore you, be wise here and take the money you know. Take the money no matter what. If they offer you more money, go to the place that offers you more money, Ty, Ty Lue. And he's not listening to this podcast, and why would he? But It's, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how this all turns out. And um, yeah, the, the coaching carousel is going to be mad interesting for the NBA. Before we get off uh, Championship Island, shout out to the Seattle Storm. Shout out to Sue Bird, Rihanna Stewart. Um, a one-two couple, a one-two pairing that I honestly think could do this forever. Like when you look at Sue Bird, like you want Captain America in real life. It's Sue Bird, man. Her wife's Megan Rapino, man. Like the fuck? She's a champion. I don't believe she's ever lost a finals game. And then this year at age 40, she broke the WNBA finals record, playoff record, excuse me, with 16 assists in game one of the finals. 
Like, whoo, whoo. You want to watch high-level basketball, the WNBA, that wobble, that was that this year, man. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad I finally dove in and got involved. Um, we're not watching college football on this podcast. It's a fact. It's just kind of what it is. No CFB for me this year. And apparently Georgia's good, which, motherfuckers. Um, but I do want to talk about this. Because for the first time this season, the SEC, the juggernaut, the engine that moves college football, had to postpone a game. Vandy and I believe they're playing Mizzou. It's been postponed ahead of this weekend's game. Now, I need you to understand something. Vandy dressed, I believe it's 53 scholarship players last weekend. They have 85. They were already down. They're not playing not because it's a safety issue. They're playing because they physically cannot get on the field as a team. So this is not Vandy being prudent or Mizzou being smart. This is them saying we physically can't get this shit done. And I want you to think what you just heard from me. Vanderbilt football is willing to go to those lengths to get them boys in that field. centralized NCAA authority so there's no one to get directly mad at so the fact that they're handling probably the worst of any sports league in the world and their their athletes are unpaid should infuriate you no should infuriate you Dan fucking Mullen opened in his big stupid mouth Dan Mullen came out after the Florida lost this past week and said hey I think the fans in the stands are why we lost the governor's done the dumb fucking thing in our state, so I hope that they open up the stadium, Ben Hill, fucking swamp, for 90K on Saturday. He said that on Saturday ahead of their game. And you know what happened? Karma happened. And y'all know me. I don't believe in that shit. I don't believe, I'm not, I'm a not a very religious person. I don't believe in karma. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you get. However, Florida has had a COVID outbreak. This COVID outbreak has made them stop football activities four days before they're supposed to play LSU. 19 positive tests over the past several days. And on Tuesday, announced five new ones. They called it an abundant caution. And I tell you that, look, if I'm A&M, I've got to ask questions about who was on the field with me last week. If I'm LSU, i got to ask a lot of questions because my dumbass coach has been out here saying, I think I'm going to my teams had COVID. Excuse me, Coach O. By the way, they don't call him Coach D. I saw that number two. <laughs> um, and it is, it's really frustrating. Because I don't know if you guys heard via tons of NCAA commercials, but most of these kids are going to go pro in something other than football. If you don't see those commercials, God bless you for never watching college football, but they do air those commercials reminding that the student athletes are actually, you know, human beings. And then they celebrate them for trying to brain each other for no money. Um, there's an article I want you guys to read in the New York Times last week. I think it ran on Sunday. And it was about the neurological effects of COVID. Something called COVID brain or foggy brain. And they described it almost as dementia. One woman said that, she had a mild case of COVID, no real symptoms, just felt weak for a couple weeks. 
went back to work and she couldn't focus on reading emails. She was losing the words for things like toothbrush. And I've made no mistake on this podcast. I've been very honest about myself, my history, and, and my potential future health concerns. One of them is my neurological health through the years playing football. I lock my keys in my car and you guys think it's a bad day and I'm thinking, shit, am I losing my mind? And, you know, I get a picture on social media. I'm not a looker. So, like, the brain and the ability to communicate is kind of the thing I've hung my hat on. It's the thing you guys, for God bless you, show to listen to this podcast. It is the thing that pays my bills and that I'm a salesman. The ability to think on my feet, the ability to formulate thoughts, communicate them in a quick, in a quick and efficient manner is kind of how I get down. So I've already got the specter of football like that's going to end at some point. And now you're telling me COVID could cut that number dramatically down? We're 10 months in. We still don't know the long-term effects of this disease and we're putting children in the direct line of fire of it in the name of money. Of not just money, but money they'll never see. I And I know I'm not covering college football, and I know I bring up college football every time, because one, I physically miss college football. Have you seen the fucking Falcons? And two, it's important. Because what they've done to these players is dangerous. And it continues to be dangerous. And they can say they're doing it as safely as possible. But we also see that they're not stopping these things from happening until the moment that they have no fucking choice. We're going to talk about the NBA and the NFL, excuse me, in a second. But I can, and I'll be honest, I have a tough time with that. But I can mentally reckon with that because they have a union. And whatever they've decided has been collectively bargained, you can, will I excoriate the NFL in a couple seconds? You're goddamn right I am. But I can justify that. This shit, it, and you can, look, I'm not justifying, look, do what you want. I don't give a shit. I read Orson Scott card books because I like Ender's Game with the knowledge that is a full-ass homophobic piece of trash. I, we all make these, these trade-offs. This is one I couldn't do. This is a bridge too far for your boy. Do what you feel, but don't end up like Dan Mullen. That's all I'm saying. Don't say some shit and then have some shit happen directly to you. Because that shit, I don't even see as karma. It's just comedy to me. And the thing is, I can't even laugh at the comedy because it's based on the idea that someone's child got sick because you didn't give a shit. Because you wanted a competitive advantage over LSU. 90K in the swamp. I said it when they started this. A child will die. Because you know what was one of the great arguments during against the concussion protocol rulings for the NFL? Prove those are our concussions. And so if I catch a COVID diagnosis... And let's say I had an NFL pension. I don't. Let's say the NCAA gave a shit about me past mm, two years after graduation. They don't. But if I had a claim, and I stepped forward later in life and said, hey, man, these concussions have 
altered my life in this way and I need to be compensated for my care and continue to, for my family, for the effort I put in. And they say, well, can you prove that your loss of cognitive ability isn't tied to your COVID diagnosis? Right? It's a damn heartache. It's a damn, it's, it breaks my heart. We're going to pivot to baseball because apparently the Braves are still in it. I think as of this recording, 9.50 on Tuesday night, they are winning their baseball game in the playoffs. I'm not sure. I think it's the, the NLCS, I believe. And I think they're going to do some shit. So good for the Braves. They they don't appear to be wearing that racist-ass tomahawk, and there's no one in the stands to do the chops. So I have no qualms with saying the team of my youth go forth and conquer and be great. And um, I guess make some noise after you do so, because I will not know. Let's go to the NFL. Big weekend in the NFL. Huge weekend in the NFL. And I know a lot of stuff happened. There are a lot of stories. But the story we're going to start and focus on tonight, today, I don't know when you're listening to this, is the fact that the Atlanta Falcons finally fucking did it. They did the thing they should have done 12 months ago, and they fired Dan Quinn. And they fired Thomas Dimitrov. It's like firing Bill O'Brien twice. And the, like, lukewarm quotes about Raheem Morris, whatever, that's fine. The lukewarm quotes about Matt Ryan hurt me in a, in a certain kind of way, I'm not going to lie, because, I mean, this is the high watermark for quarterback play over a sustained amount of time for the Falcons. I was in the building when Michael Vick broke his leg against the Ravens. I'm a Vic fan. I'm just saying, like, we need to know Super Bowl Michael Vick. So, but I get it. It's a non-committal answer because we could legitimately be a we. The Falcons could legitimately be a 1-15 team and end up with Trevor Lawrence, who grew up just north of Atlanta. Like, I, I, yeah. God bless the Falcons. God bless Arthur Blank. Good riddance to Dan, Dan Quinn and uh, our eighth-grade dressing-ass old GM. He was... Um, NFL, also things that happened. Dak Prescott destroyed his fucking leg. And I've seen all of the like, ghoulish takes of like, he was crying because he lost the money. Which, one, no, he wasn't, you piece of shit. But two, if he was, so what? You know how much money he didn't get? Like, that would bring me to tears. And, yeah, I do think that the uh, Cowboys are going to let him rehab. It's a four- to six-month injury. Uh, it's the same. In, he'll be back before you know it. But And I think that he'll get his money. Because you can say what you want about the less am, less than amicable negotiations this offseason. There's not like there's, like, another Dak Prescott waiting in the wings to run this offense that you've built to win right fucking now. I don't give a shit what Andy Dalton does in the worst division possibly in NFL history. If the Cowboys go with Andy Dalton, that'd be about par for the last 25 years of the Cowboys. Like, horrible decision after horrible decision. Um, I'm kind of cheering for it now. I take it all back. Go be dumb, Jerry. You fall in love with another redhead. Jason Garrett tossed you nothing. Uh, another big thing that happened on Sunday. Zimmer versus Rusty Russ. And everyone, of course, got an opinion. Should Zimmer have kicked it? Should he have gone for it? Of course, in a world where it didn't work, I'm saying, don't go for it, you idiot. Kick the field goal. But at the same time, like, if you know Russell Wilson on the other side, you know three's not enough. You've got to assume he's going to score and convert on your ass. 
So I get going for it. I know that the, the metrics I go for it. I know the variable of Russell Wilson and the variable of you're the Vikings and things don't go well for your franchise because you're the Vikings. I understand these variables and I, I'm not discounting them. I'm just saying that me, myself in that moment, yeah, baby, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go for it. I understand the, the call, even if it didn't work. And the biggest story in the NFL is the same big story that should be dominating every sports story that we talk about, except for the NBA, the Wubble, and the Hubble. People did it right. And that's COVID-19. Because COVID-19 is the reason why the Bills and Titans are playing as I'm recording and I'm not watching. The Titans, who held a private workout at NBA Montgomery Bell Academy, which, if you're from the South, you probably know this fucking school. And if you're not, then God bless you. But... It's further explication of how money has run every decision the NFL's made. The NFL was the league that was furthest away from the from the outset of COVID. They're the ones who should have had flowcharts and decision trees and 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 and, and contingency plan upon contingency plans. And every week we hear about network, and every week the NFL's like, well, what if we and <laughs> When, like, trial balloons are being floated to avoid Week 18 games so they don't move a Super Bowl so that their hotel partners will be, rec- will be will be compensated without realizing that you can't have people at a fucking Super Bowl. What are you talking about? So, this is the nakedness of it. It's the decision to embrace the dollar sign over any semblance or or, or or attempted safety. You've got players openly saying, we probably shouldn't be playing. Because, again, whatever you think about the quote-unquote meathead football player, he went to three years of college. He had to go to some classes in three years, man. He had to, to stay eligible to play football. Well, I've given you 20 minutes of my nonsense. Now I'm going to give you some more because it's time to talk about it. It's time to talk about the way we all grew up and the things we've loved in our lives and how, upon gaining new knowledge later in life, we must make some decisions. Now, I'm not going to cast the spotlight on anyone else but myself in this moment because I am 35 years of age and I should be a vegan. Not on some morality shit. I don't care, honestly, about the videos you show me. I don't. My food ends up delicious. But I know it's not great for the environment. I know it's not great for me. I know it's not great economically. And I cook steak tonight. And I know that sometime in the next 20 years, I will have had my last steak. I know in this moment, I'm on the wrong side of history. And acknowledging that, I'm also able to acknowledge that the world moves forward and that at a point, I will be forced to move with it. I'm never going to be the early adapter on some of this shit, guys. I'm sorry. Shout out to everyone who bought a 3D television, you fucking idiot. I'm not going to be the guy in front all the time, but I'm also... Smart enough to recognize that, you know what, things need to change. Damn it, I'm going to change them. The Impossible Burger, it's pretty fucking good. 
I've heard their, their, their whatever they're doing wings. I heard it's not bad. I acknowledge that I am wrong and that I will have to change and grow in the future. I'm just not there yet. I say all that to say this. Michael Jordan stands, you unlikable motherfuckers. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. A real one. And not one where you say six or no and you shut off your brain. No, let's not do that. Let's have a real conversation about what it means to be the greatest basketball player of all time. Not the greatest serial killer who was directed to a basketball goal. Basketball player of all time. I'm going to start with this. At the age 35, both these men made the finals, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. LeBron James, Michael Jordan's averages were as follows. 33.5 points, amazing shit. Four rebounds, look at that motherfucker. 2.3 assists on 42.7% from the field. That shit is impressive. LeBron James just completed his 35-year-old finals at 29.8 points a game, 11.8 rebounds, 8.5 assists, and 60% from the fucking floor. One of them is the GOAT. The other one, some of you call washed last October. Now, is everything equitable when it comes to playoff statistics? No, 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 no. But I was told for years that that was going to be the thing to separate him. Because once the Jordan folks realized this motherfucker wasn't going to slow down and he was as durable as he was, all those counting stats in the NBA and all those averages were going to fall. He, in year 17, cranked out his first assist title, which is like one of those Wilt Chamberlain, like, I decided to throw the ball to other people this year. Like, it's one of those things that makes you be like, huh, I wonder if he, huh, anytime he, huh. And honestly, even the playoff counting stats have gotten overwhelming. LeBron James will end his career with the most points in the playoffs ever, the most assists in the playoffs ever. Like, it's, it's, it's unfathomable what he's been able to do. At such a high level for such a long time. Game five will go down in the annals of finals history, perhaps not for most people, but for people who are watching and living in the bubble like us, like we all were from our televisions. Watching Jimmy Butler do what he did against LeBron James, who was dueling with him, was amazing. But game six was the greatness of LeBron James. Because in game six, LeBron was like, let's run it back. Maybe let's do this shit again. And Jimmy was like, what if I gave you 13 points? Because I'm really tired of doing the LeBron thing. For one night. And I know what you're going to say to me. Hey, Deep Hong, LeBron grew up, played in an era where, damn it, they added an extra game because they got some more money on the front end of these first round series. And you're right. The, I, for one, am a fan of the five game series. They moved to seven. Don't love it. It is what it is. Can't change the world. So let's talk about clutch points. Those, 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 and I'm not talking about the ones that would actually add to LeBron's title where we're saying, oh, 30 seconds left, the shot that puts the game away. No, no, no. We're talking about inside five points that results inside five seconds, excuse me, that results in a lead change. LeBron's made more. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So now you're going to tell me that Jordan did it in a tougher era that was more physical, that LeBron couldn't have thrived, like LeBron James isn't Carl Malone and Magic Johnson in the same body somehow, but faster than both. We're going to pretend that's not true. Let's pretend that. I did some, some reading. Some prep. I did some fucking preparation for this podcast. 
is I want to talk about the Hall of Famers facing the finals. And I figured that was the best way to do this. LeBron is 4-6 and six in the finals. Michael Jordan famously 6-0. and oh. Let's talk about it. 91, Michael Jordan faced three Hall of Famers on that team. Magic Johnson. James Worthy. I believe Vlade was on that team as well. That's, that's three Hall of Famers right there. And we're going to pause here so I can bitch for a second about the Naismith Hall of Fame. The fact that Vlade Divac is in the fucking Hall of Fame of basketball, not not the not 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 the NBA's, not 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 American basketball, just basketball Hall of Fame. And know what you're thinking? Hey, Deepal, don't come up here and denigrate Vlade Divac. And I'm here to tell you that your nostalgia is a fucking liar. Vlade Divac made one All Star team in 2001. He made the All Rookie team in 1990. And thus ends his individual accolades in the NF NBA. Excuse me. Zero All NBA teams first or third. Zero All Defensive teams first or second. What are we? 11.8 from the floor. 11.8 a game. 8.2 rebounds. 1.4 blocks. One of my friends tried to tell me that oh, it's not just about. You know, the statistics about how they made you feel. And I'm like, look, man, Vlade never made anyone feel anything except for the Lakers happy that he decided to be traded for Kobe Bryant. Oh, maybe maybe you're talking about, hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about. He he had those international, look, all the international awards and 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 accolades come pre-96, come pre-92, excuse me, pre-Dream pre Team. I don't see... I, Okay, so that's 91. He faced three Hall of Famers on the Lakers, depending on how you feel about, like, old James Worthy at that time. That being said, guys, oh, James Worthy is also one of those cases where oh, he must be in because he was in college. Like, I don't know. I don't, sorry, I just don't. He's got one Hall of Fame, one, one Finals MVP, seven All-Stars, two times third team. It's fine. It's just one of those things where, like, yes, if you want this person to be in the Hall of Fame, they'll get in the Hall of Fame. So, 91, he faces three Hall of Famers. They win that series handily 4-1. 92, how many Hall of Famers were on that Trailblazers team that we all remember so well? If you're at home saying one, you're correct. The only person to make the Hall of Fame off that team is Clyde Drexler. I had to make sure you guys didn't idiotically put Danny Ainge in because of who he was in the Celtics, but God bless the voters that held off on one of those inclusions. 93. See, Phoenix Suns, best Paul Westfall on the other side. How many Hall of Famers are on that team? If you said one, his name's Charles Barkley, you are 100% right. 96, the Sonics. How many are on that team? I'll save you the Google. It's one. And it's Gary. The fact that Sean's not in is interesting to me. The fact that Sean's not in and fucking Vlade is is... I feel the way I feel about that. But 96, that, like, in 97, 98, obviously there's two on each team when you're talking about Stockton Malone. Now, let's just do the same for LeBron James. Because in 2007, he faced a Spurs team. He dragged Eric Snow and Zildrunas Sogalskis to the NBA Finals. It was one of the ones where he shouldn't have been. 
year four, there's no reason for him to be there. They beat the Pistons. It was a great, you know, a, it was a great experience for him to watch how a championship works. But he was on the team by himself as well. Look, that that Cavs team has one All Star on it, one excuse me, Hall of Famer on it. His name's LeBron James. Booby Gibson was a thing for a year because of this shit. But that Spurs team, they're touting three. Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and I think Manu's in. I got an argument with someone about Manu being in. I, I, I don't see how it's really, when you look at his international, he beat the U.S. with NBA players for a gold medal in the Olympics. He is three times, two times NBA third team, two times all-star, four-time champion, sixth man of the year, all-rookie second team. And then you look at his Euro League and his Italian Cup stuff, like I don't see how he does not get in for Naismith. Basketball reference apparently has him at 20% right now. So for the purposes of this conversation, I'm counting Manu Ginobili as a Hall of Famer. I also had to make sure like they didn't put in Fabricio Alberto because of like international reasons. So that was a joke. Please don't. 07, he plays three, three Hall of Famers, take that 4-0 loss. 11's the blemish. 11's the one where if you want to say LeBron James is a choker or whatever, that's the one you get to point to. You shouldn't score 10 points in a finals game. I get that. You should, it shouldn't have been what it was. I'm not going to debate any with anyone. I will say it was nice. To, it was interesting and it had a weird effect to watch LeBron James be superhuman, like be really just a human in that series because he got to a moment and the moment was too big. He got to a moment and the moment was too big and that's okay. That's okay. Like, if that's the one and you can't get past 2011, then I, I don't know what to tell you because I can talk about it. We can we can discuss the human reasons why it occurred. But if you're inclined to say he's nothing, he's nobody, then that's fine. Um, there are two Hall of Famers on that Mavericks team and Jason Kidd and um, the greatest player of all time, Dirk Nowitzki. That was a joke for my boy, Mike. Um, 2012, he back to the finals, and they beat three Hall of Famers, Russell Wilson, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. No borderline cases there. Three slam-dunk Hall of Fame cases. And they mollywobbled. They beat him in five. And this is not a Thunder team that was like some geeks off the street, guys. They beat that Spurs team 4-2, and we all thought it was a wrap because remember the Heat getting pushed by that Celtics team? A Celtics team. That I must remind everyone, because we're all going to forget this. They only won one ring. And I know they carry themselves like they won a bunch of rings. But every time you see Paul Pierce, and he's popping over the mouth about who's better than what, remember, remind yourself that Paul Pierce has one ring, and that he admitted to shitting himself on television, and no one asked. Just remember those two things about him. 2013, the Heat take on the Spurs, and they took on motherfucking five Hall of Famers. Five. 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 Tim Duncan, man who I've made my case already. Kawhi Leonard's going in. Tony Parker and Tracy McGrady was on that roster. And I know what you're thinking, oh, Tracy McGrady. Look, I'm going to count Dwight on his roster for the 2021. So I'm counting McGrady because McGrady's in the, in the hall. He didn't get a lot of burn. Whatever. It is what it is. 14, four Hall of Famers. Everyone but McGrady back for the Spurs. Takes that loss. 15, he loses to three Hall of Famers. Um, depending on how you feel about Draymond. I could y'all are gonna put Draymond in. 
So I'm counting him, but three Hall of Famers, 15. He didn't have Kevin Love, and he lost Kyrie in the first round of that first game of that series. And say what you will, but him taking two off that Warriors team with fucking Matthew Dellavedova and like, I guess, like, the ghost of Sean Marion. Like, I don't... This was... Anderson Barajal couldn't even play in these finals. Like, that's how hurt they were. They were out Barajal. I get that one. 15A. That's a loss. It's a loss. 16, in the greatest comeback of all time, he vanquishes three Hall of Famers operating at the, not only the height of their powers, but after a record-setting regular season. Oh, uh, also back 15, that's the year that Andre Iguodala won the MVP for holding LeBron James to about 35 points a game. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it was ugly. So, we now turn our lens to 2017 and 18, where it took four Hall of Famers to beat the dog shit out of LeBron James. And honestly, Let's have a conversation about 16 again. Like, 16 might have been the, excuse me, 17, I apologize, 17. That might have been the best roster that they had in the Cavs. They just ran into a buzzsaw. They ran into the best team ever. They ran into a locked-in Kevin Durant. And then Kyrie leaves, and he takes his motherfuckers back to the final, only to get swept in four games to four Hall of Fame. All reasonable shit. And for those of you who say 2020 did lack drama and 2020 lacked um, whatever you wanted to get locked in, congratulations. That's what happens when LeBron James is, is placing, and depending on how you think this Jimmy shit ends, maybe one Hall of Famer. Maybe. Maybe. And I'm okay with that. I'm a LeBron fan, man. All these... Outcomes make sense to me. So that's and that for me is the reason why I don't get caught up in the six no thing because six no ignores ninety five when he loses to when the Bulls lose to the Magic ignores all those teams he couldn't make a final before he got over the hump in ninety one. It ignores the fact that you listen to interviews with Kerr and with Pippen and with Phil Jackson who say people who think that if he hadn't played baseball they would have gotten eight. Are crazy because he was so exhausted after three. Watch the clips of, of of Jordan winning the third and the sixth. He's exhausted. He's given all he's got. LeBron James never played baseball, man. Every year he came out. So he's played about 260 playoff games, which averages about two, three extra seasons of NBA basketball just in these here playoff games. And you look at the finals, and again, four and six, the number's the number. 07, was it, there's no reason for it to think he should have won 07. 11 is the blemish. That's it. 12 is when he should have won. They were underdog going in to that Thunder team. 13 is the one they probably should have lost. 13 is the one where there's no time left on the clock. Game six, right out of the corner. They have the trophy on the floor ready to give it out, guys. Like, that's, if you want to say he stole one, 13 is the one he stole. 14, they lost to a great Spurs team. 
15 injuries. So he lost two, now two more he should have lost. 16 is the greatest comeback of all time. 17 18 should have been losses. And 20 should have been a win. So for me, it's he lost when he should have won in 11. He won when he should have lost in 13. And he orchestrated the greatest comeback against the greatest collection of talent ever assembled on the NBA basketball court. He was the greatest player in my mind after that. The rest of this shit is icing. And like he said after winning that title, after claiming the Bill Russell Trophy for his fourth finals MVP, I want my damn respect. I for one think he's earned it. Tip of the cap, nod of the head, all hail the king. That was your show. This is your outro. There is no outro. See you guys next week.